Welcome back to the Blackout. We're coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and this is our Week Nine Pick'em Pod on the best college football Pick'em Pod in the land. Alan, welcome back in. You're coming off a pretty solid week in the Pick'em Contest, and man, we are looking to get some things moving in the right direction so that you and I can get in better contention up at the top of our standings. My goodness, and and what a week to try to do that with eight games at spreads less than five points. That's truly remarkable. Some big, big time matchups with a lot of different types of styles. Man, it's going to be a fun week. It certainly is going to be a fun week. You mentioned it. What we talked about off air is just the remarkable amount of close games that we have in front of us that we've really had each of the last several weeks. And this one, like you mentioned, eight games with spreads of less than five points. We've got seven games of spreads at three or less. Man, just talking about field goal games everywhere. This is going to be a blast. Alan, I have to raise the question again. Last week we asked it and uh, we said no. But this week, because of the tightness of all these games, the tightness of all these spreads, is this one that you would consider for Purge Week? Because, man, we could see a lot of topsy-turvy stuff in the standings. We could see some people vault from you know outside the top 10, possibly jump into the top 5. We could see people up at the top of the standings drop down back to the back of the top 10, I believe. I think that's the type of volatility we could see, and uh, it's not going to surprise me to see much of anybody in any position. Agreed. As as the kids would say on TikTok, sheesh, <laughs> it's gonna be a, a beast of a week. Um, I, I'm I'm okay naming this one the uh, uh, the the sequel. Okay, perfect. I I didn't think we were gonna end up with another one of these things as we went deeper into the season, but I, I think I'm okay with it too. I mean, we downplayed it last week because we had a couple of higher spreads, but man, this one's even tighter than we had last week. And last week was a tough set as it was. Agreed. So, the difficulty of last week was like it was like, you know, craft beer or something. You know, <laughs> like it was again, I attained that called it indie week. It was off the beaten path. These are teams we know. Right. All of these teams pretty much are, for the most part, are teams that we have seen and picked this year. It's just that they're really, really tight games against even teams. So it's going to be just a lot of fun. Awesome. So we are in Purge Week Part 2 here in Week 9 on the ESPN College Pick'em. Man, this is going to be a blast. Alan, let's go ahead and take a look at the standings just to update everybody on where we are and uh, what kind of prizes are out there as we do this thing. So at the top of our leaderboard, we have a tie for first place. That's between Tim and Jesse. They each have 314 points. We also have a tie for third place. That's between TJ and Bruce. They each have 310 points, and they are fighting it out. One of those two guys is looking to possibly come away with a $25 Visa gift card for our third place prize as we go throughout the season. Man, we have some cool stuff available. For myself, I am sitting in 10th place, 299 points, 15 points off the lead, and I've gone 49 and 31 in my picks this year. 
Allen, you're just a little ways beyond that. You're in a tie for 16th with 295 points, 19 points off the lead, and you've gone 48 and 32 in your picks. So, man, we have some work to do, but we talked about it in the Pick 'em Rewind. We have certainly a lot of volatility at play this week, and we've got a lot of action down the way the rest of the season that we are not out of contention yet. We may only have six weeks left in this thing, but I think there's still plenty of time to make some moves on the leaderboard to get yourself in better position. Agreed. Plenty. I mean, you're looking at all you need to do is, is you need to have one good week and that's it. You have one good week and you're back within 10. Anytime, anytime you're that close, then, then you got to feel pretty decent about where you're at as long as they're, you know, four plus weeks left. So we've got about three weeks to, to reconnect to the top of the board. And as long as we're there with three to four weeks left, then I'm okay with that. Very much agreed. Alan, let's go ahead and jump into the stuff we do with the Pick'em Pod. Each week, we give you two value picks, what we see on the board according to the spread. Last week, Alan, you came away with 43 points on the scoreboard. I had 40. So because you took the higher score on the week, you're going to start us off. Go ahead and give us your first value play here for week nine. All right, man. So I know this one This one may... Uh, this may hurt you a little bit, but I, I'm going Tony Braxton style. I'm going to have to unbreak your heart a little bit. I'm going all the way down to Starkville, and I'm taking Mississippi State over Kentucky. And, uh, and for the listeners at home that, that may not know, Thomas has quite the affection for the Cats, and uh, he, he's, a, he's a blue blood um, all the way through. Kentucky is a one and a half point road favorite, which would put them as a three on your board. Um, I just don't think that they're all that explosive outside of Wondell Robinson. Now he himself is remarkably good, um, but Chris Rodriguez has been good in the backfield and steady as she goes. But Kentucky is a is a perfectly balanced team with 190 plus yards for both passing and rushing offense per game. But Mississippi State really stops the run well. They only give up 93 yards per game. Uh, I think Will Levis will end up turning the ball over this game as more of the emphasis is on his arm. And I think Will Rogers will do just enough. Uh, A stat that I just seen before coming on the air, Stoops is 0-4 against Mississippi State and Starkville. Um, And so as as they hit the road for for this big one, I think more than I think Kentucky's a good team, but I don't think that there is like a six and one I don't think they're going to end up nine and three or 10 and two or something like that. They played a, a slumping Florida and then an unmoted, an unmotivated bad LSU team. And then they were whacked by Georgia. Um, but to their credit, everybody's been whacked by Georgia. So I, I've got Mississippi state winning at home. I think the pirate is going to protect his own booty and I'm going to have them at a two to three range. I understand that, Alan. Man, it does hurt me a little bit. You know, I lived in my young childhood days right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. So I went through a bunch of years of watching the Wildcats go one in 10, two in nine. Then when you upped yourself to, you know, 12 games a season, of course, it wasn't much better than that. It was three and nine. It was two and 10, you know, losing to Florida 76 to seven, 
losing to Tennessee big. I've seen it for years and years and years. So to see a Kentucky team that's ranked in the top 25, they're off to a 6-1 and one start. Sure, they got waxed by Georgia, but uh, it's been a fun start to the season. But really, honestly, I can't blame you very much for this one. Uh, I have not firmly committed where I'm going with my pick. Uh, but I think a lot of what you said makes sense in this matchup because Kentucky's bread and butter is the running game. And Mississippi State stops the running game first and foremost with their defense. I think that's going to be a tough matchup for the Cats. You mentioned Will Levis. Sure, he's protected the ball a little bit better the last couple weeks, but uh, he has made some bad mistakes early in the season throwing the ball, and Kentucky isn't that dynamic at wide receiver. I know Wandale Robinson's been awesome, and I think there's a chance they get Josh Ali back this week. He's been out for a couple of weeks now, uh, but I don't know that that's going to be enough. And with this Mississippi State team, man, I think their offense has had things going the right direction. They may be 4-3 and three on the year, but you have to look back at those games against LSU and Memphis that they lost. Uh, if you look statistically at those games, Mississippi State really controlled both of them. They kind of dominated both those teams and wound up with L's in both of them. So I think they could be 6-1 and one just as Kentucky is. And uh, with a road environment that you mentioned, Mark Stoops and the Wildcats haven't been very good in. You have to listen to all those cowbells again oh, and again God, and again. stupid cowbells. <laughs> Over 60 minutes, <laughs> lack of communication, the noise in there. Man, that's going to be tough to communicate with. And with a Kentucky offense that, like you said, is not that explosive – and a Mississippi State te- team that I think methodically moves the ball down the field. I think Kentucky will be able to contain them in the passing game, but I think they'll just kind of methodically work their way down the field. I, I think I'm probably going with the Bulldogs as well in this one. It's just going to be a low pick on my side. It's probably, like you said, going to be in that two to three range. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it seems like at this point, a, high, a pretty decent percentage of picks are going at the Cats' way. And you would expect that they listen, they've got the number beside them. Right. But uh, yeah, not to the point of 90%. I was looking that back up again. Honestly, that kind of shocks me. Uh, maybe at this point in the week that, you know, some of the, the goobers that don't know what they're doing are, are picking it <laughs> that are, that are maybe not a lot listening to this pod are looking at lines, but um, that number is pretty staggering. So we'll see what that happens, you know, how that line moves later on in the week. But I feel pretty comfortable with this one. I think it should be a fun game to watch, though. I think it'll be very competitive. It's why I wouldn't move it anywhere high in confidence value because I do think these two teams match up pretty well with each other. Yes. Yeah, so to me, you know, Kentucky, the strength is the running game. I think it's going to be limited, but if they happen to have success in the running game in this one, if Mississippi State doesn't slow down very much, I could see the Cats winning this thing. But I think everything that you said makes a little bit of sense as to why to go with the Bulldogs. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And in terms of 90% of people being on the Wildcats, you already mentioned it, man. People with this college pick them, even in the confidence uh, pick them, people get lazy, dude. They kind of understand that, hey, this team's won six games, this team's only won four, this team's ranked, but nobody looks at the spread. So uh, people lose a lot of value on picks by just looking at those things and not understanding that Kentucky's only favored by a point and a half on the road. Yeah, which in in many instances would would be shocking to people. Absolutely. Alan, for my top value pick this week, I'm going to look at the group of five slate that we have. We have some very interesting games this week, but I'm looking at Fresno State and San Diego State. This one is a road game at San Diego State for the Fresno State Bulldogs, and we have San Diego State as a one-point favorite. 
very low in terms of the spread. So, Alan, I have a few key things that I'm looking at with this one. We have a 6-2 and two Fresno State team. They're 3-1 and one in conference. We have San Diego State, who is undefeated 7-0 and 3-0 and in conference. So this is a big-time Mountain West showdown. The winner of this game is probably going on to the Mountain West Championship game. So I think this is a huge showdown and one that deserves uh, some attention because, hey, it's it's a really important game in the pick and I think we can find some value here. So these are the things I'm looking at. We've talked about Fresno State in our Pick'em Rewind because they were in our contest last week getting that win over Nevada. This team really lives and dies with Jake Hayner, okay? He's been an awesome at quarterback for the most part, but he's been inconsistent this year. Here's the things that I'm looking at. They've had a close loss at Oregon earlier this year. They lost 31-24. They had a close win at UCLA where Jake Hayner was really pretty good and a 40 to 37 win. And then they had an inexplicable, uh, just mystifying loss at Hawaii, 27 24. But here's the things that we have to track in those games. In the loss to Oregon, Jake Hayner was responsible for two turnovers. He lost two on fumbles against UCLA. He turned the ball over twice as well, and they lost the turnover battle three to two. And against Hawaii, man, this one was bad. Jake Hayner had five turnovers. And the Bulldogs lost the turnover battle 6-1 to one and only lost by three points. So, man, I think that this team really relies on Jake Hayner having a good game. But the problem is he's going up against one of the best defenses in the Mountain West in San Diego State. But, Alan, I have some things to look at with San Diego State as well. They may be 7-0. But they've had some really, really close games this year. They won in triple overtime, 33-31 over Utah earlier in the season, a game in which they were outgained, and we didn't see Cam Rising come into the game for the Utes until the second half, and that's when Utah really started picking their way back into the game and forced overtime. They ended up winning that one, but it was very close. A couple weeks back, they won at San Jose State in double overtime, 19-13, to But man, neither team could gain anything. And really, San Jose outclassed San Diego State 345 to 240 in yardage on the day. Uh, Though neither of those are impressive yardage output, still San Diego State was outgained by over 100 yards. And then this past week, they got a 20 to 14 win at Air Force. But again, they were outgained by 30 yards by the Falcons. and, uh, And they benefited by two Air Force turnovers. So, Alan, man... I think the San Diego State team is kind of lucky to be where they are. To me, with those three finals as close as they were, I think San Diego State easily could have lost one, two, maybe even all three of them. And on the other end, with Fresno State, as close as their losses have been with Oregon and Hawaii, if it weren't for all the turnovers, I think Fresno State could easily be 6-1, and one, maybe even undefeated at this point. And if any of those outcomes come out different, I think you're looking at Fresno State being favored on the road at San Diego State. So to me, with San Diego State as a one-point favorite, I think what Vegas is telling us is that Fresno State is actually the better team, even yep. though they have a couple of losses. So according to the spread, if you were following the spread strictly, you would put a confidence value on on San Diego State this week at a one or a two. But man, I'm going all in on the Bulldogs this week here in week nine. I think Fresno State is the better team. I think they're pulling off the upset on the road. The key is turnovers. If Jake Hayner protects the ball, I think Fresno State is better than San Diego State because San Diego State 
may play great defense, but man, their offense stinks. And I think Fresno State has the defense to slow them down. And it's just a matter of whether they can spread out the San Diego defense and have success in the passing game. I'm betting on it. I'm going to take Fresno State and boost them way up in value, Alan. I'm going all in and taking Fresno State at an eight this week. Oh, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm gonna need a, a diaper to, to 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 deal with all that just happened in my tummy when you said you've got them at an eight. I love that! Wow. Um, listen, I'm I'm actually all in on the Bulldogs too. Uh, I'm just not that all in. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, I the water may be fine, but uh, I, I'm a an uncomfortable swimmer in these waters, and so. Um, these are shark infested waters we're dealing with. And so I'm a little more hesitant on that, but I, I love where you're going. As you mentioned, a one point favorite for San Diego state at home means that means exactly what you just said, that they believe that, that uh, Fresno state Vegas believes that Fresno state is actually the better team because typically the home bump is, is, is around three points. So that would mean that really on a neutral site, this is probably Fresno State as a, as a two or three point favorite. And it would probably be, you know, a four or five point favorite if Fresno State were the home team. As you mentioned, San Diego State is they're just they're they're quite incompetent uh, offensively. They're really good defensively but they just don't have much juice. And so I, I'm with you, but I'm just, Pretty uncomfortable saying I'm going to put them up that high, but I, I love it, man. <laughs> I'm not saying you're faking it until you make it, but you've got that bravado, and I and I appreciate that. You've got those jock pearls going on right now. Dude, I'm going for it this week. I think that I have a good read on this game. I think that the San Diego State team is extremely lucky to be where they are at this point, undefeated and ranked in the top 25. I think that's another reason why they're simply favored in this game by a point. Uh, they haven't really scored a lot of points this year unless it's off turnovers and on short fields. Their offense just isn't good enough. And so to me, you might be able to argue that San Diego State has the best unit on the field in its defense, and that's perfectly fine. If you want to say that, they might very well have the best unit. But to me, if they have the best unit with the defense, then – Fresno State has the next best two units with their offense and their defense. And then it is a far, far drop for San Diego State's offense. So I think the only way they win this game is, again, if they force turnovers, if Hayner throws picks, and they have short fields to work off of. Because even if Hayner throws picks on the other end, there's turnovers, fumbles on the other end, I I think that San Diego State's still going to have a hard time turning it around the other way and going down the field to score points. So to me, this is only going the other way if San Diego State is able to force turnovers on the plus side of the field. Otherwise, I think that Fresno State has enough success offensively. I think this is the best offense that San Diego State will have played to this point. And I love seeing Fresno State have a quarterback that, hey, Utah may have had Cam Rising for about a half against this same San Diego State team and had a lot of success. I think Hayner in this offense can be even more successful. I, I like where you're going, man. I really, really do. Uh, I, I just may be a, a few uh, a, a few cars back <laughs> in that line. <laughs> I understand <laughs> it. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you that you're wrong, but, man, I love Fresno State in this matchup, and uh, I hope I have a big reward for it. So, Alan, where are you going this week for your second value pick? Hey, let's stay out west. 
one. And let, let's stay with uh, picking against teams with fairly anemic offenses. Um, former BYU coach Bronco Mendenhall goes back to Provo and what I think is going to be a pretty fun game. And I think, and, and casting my crystal ball, that Old Virginia will get the win. BYU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, which would put them at, essentially as a four on your board if you were to pick BYU according to the, the line. But I'm going with Virginia in the two-to-four range, and, and here's why I'm doing that. Brennan Armstrong has been pretty elite this year with 23 touchdowns to only six interceptions. Their offense is averaging 37 points per game. Now, their their defense gives up a bit too. Now, I, I'll grant you that. More than I would anticipate a Virginia uh, team that's led by Bronco Mendenhall actually to allow. But I just don't think that Jaron Hall and company have enough pop to take advantage of it. They only average 26 points a game. Uh, they tend to be turnover prone. Uh, and so I'm going to take the, I think, the, the better team, the more explosive team, even on the road. The Bronco is going to be able to teach them and tell them what's what's up with, you know, going going into Mormon land. And uh, I, I think they come out, come out with a lead so I, I, and, and a win. So I'm going with Virginia in that two to four range um, to kind of solidify that board. Yeah, I understand your thought process here. That was kind of my gut reaction with this one. And to tell you the truth, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this play. Uh, I I would feel confident in telling you that if I'm going to stick with BYU, it's going to be lower than a confidence value of a four. So in philosophy alone, I'm agreeing with you because I think Virginia is dangerous in the game. I think absolutely they are the more explosive offense. They throw the ball for like 400 yards a game. Uh, They can't really run the ball all that great, but they throw the ball so well. I think they're going to have success in this game. Really, my only concern with this one and slowing me down from automatically picking Virginia is simply the Virginia run defense because BYU may not be explosive offensively, but Tyler Algier, the running back, is really solid and going up (laughs) against a run defense as susceptible as Virginia has, I'm a little concerned that BYU might be able to control this game with the running game. If that happens, uh, that's kind of my one concern level, but otherwise I love everything else that you pointed out with Virginia and regardless, I'm going to have whoever I'm taking in this game at a pretty low value. So I think I agree fully in philosophy with you. Uh, I'm just not sure which team I'm going to be on by the end of the week. I'm I'm down with that. I totally get it. It's it's going to be a fun game to watch and and there's a reason that line is as tight as it is, right? Because both of these teams have warts. And you're just deciding maybe which one on this given day, which one's warts are, are not going to show up nearly as much. Definitely so. We've gone out west for a couple of picks. Alan, I'm going to go to the Midwest for my second value pick. I'm looking at Iowa at Wisconsin inside the Big Ten <laughs> with the Badgers as a three-point favorite. Now, Alan... If you're going according to the spread, Wisconsin as a three-point favorite would be indicative of taking a confidence value of a five through a seven on Wisconsin. And I'm telling you, when I read that, I think that means I have to put five to seven points on Graham Mertz. Now, I don't think that's wise. So, Graham Mertz... Let's just catch some people up if you haven't been following. For his career now, he has thrown 11 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. Now, you may think that's bad, 
but it's been worse in 2021. He's thrown a grand total of two touchdown passes this season and seven interceptions. And Allen, by my best estimation, by the last few games that Wisconsin has played, I think the offensive philosophy is for the Wisconsin Badgers, let's see how few times we can put the ball in the hands of Graham Mertz and still come away with a win. There is no reason to trust him. Each of the last four games, Mertz has thrown less than 20 pass attempts. That includes this past Saturday when he went five of eight at Purdue and they came away with a win. Now they have won three in a row, so maybe they've found something, but man, they rely on the running game a lot and they're going up against a good Iowa defense that forces a bunch of turnovers, especially interceptions. So I'm looking at an Iowa defense that I think should be competitive against this Wisconsin running game. I think that's going to force the ball into the hand of Graham Mertz a lot. I think that that gives Iowa the potential to force some turnovers. Now, I'm not telling you that Iowa is automatically going to win this game. But again, with Wisconsin as a three-point favorite, there is no way I am putting five to seven confidence points on the Badgers in this matchup. So at the very least, I will be moving the Badgers down. I think this is more of a toss-up. So at the very most, I think you should put Wisconsin at a three. To me, whichever team I pick in this matchup, it's going to be somewhere between a one and a three. I'm kind of leaning Iowa, but because of the matchup of these two teams and how they play, I think it's really just whichever team messes up least is probably going to come away with a win. And another important factor on this one, Alan, as we record here on Tuesday, over 80% of people are on the Hawkeyes. Now they're the underdog in this game, but to me that has some influence on this pick because Again, people are looking at the ranking, the record. Iowa looks better in both of those categories. So even though they're an underdog, a bunch of people are on the Hawkeyes. I may simply go with Iowa at a low value pick this week just to safeguard against so many people picking up points on the Hawkeyes if they come up with the win. But regardless, again, I think the value pick that I think makes a ton of sense, if you're on Wisconsin, lower them in value below the 5 to a 7, And if you want to pick Iowa in an upset, so be it. But I don't have a lot of faith in either one of these teams to look great offensively. I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly, low-scoring game. And I don't think there should be any more than one to three value points put on either one of these teams. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this this game is is going to be like trying to, you know, trying to kill a person with a pool noodle, right? Like, (laughs) neither of these teams have very sharp weapons. Um, they just, uh, they, they like some, some difference makers. They have propensity to turn the football over. Uh, I, I like for where your head's at and there is no way I'm handing the keys to my kingdom to Graham Mertz because I'm fairly certain he'd just throw them into a lake, which is about where half of his throws look like they're going. Um, I mean, he's just. Uh, he's not been good, as you mentioned, staggeringly bad statistics this year. I don't know exactly where I'm going with this game yet, but I, I know there is no way on God's green earth that, that I'm doing that. Because like having either of these teams that high just gives me the meat sweats just thinking about it. Heck yeah, man. I, I don't think it makes a lick of sense. I honestly don't know why Wisconsin's favored by three points. I know that they've improved somewhat offensively in recent weeks but I don't know that either one of these teams should be favored by three points over the other I mean to me it feels much more like a pick 'em 
I know that Wisconsin has home field advantage, uh, but man, if we're talking about which team is more likely to mess up, I, I think Graham Mertz is way higher on the charts there than Spencer Petras, even though Petras is coming off of a bunch of interceptions against Purdue a couple weeks ago. Man, I, I think that this game feels like either team could win it, and I, I just do not feel comfortable betting so strongly on either one of them. Yeah, I, I bet Vegas just looked down the roster and and they decided by seeing um, how many six foot five white guys each team has, and you get an extra point for for the amount of six foot five white guys you have. And Wisconsin had three more, so Vegas just threw them a bone and said, "Yeah, they they seem like three three point favorites." <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I I kind of circle in this game in this matchup is the fact that Iowa is coming off a bye week. You know, I talked about that last week on the Pick'em Pod with a couple of picks I made, and you know, I, I don't know that Iowa has anything super special up its sleeve, but they are a little bit more creative in their passing game than what yeah. Wisconsin does. You know, they don't have dynamic offensive playmakers just like. Wisconsin lacks them, uh, but they run a kind of some misdirection type plays to get some guys open. You know, it's some stuff that Wisconsin doesn't really do. So every once in a while, they'll scheme somebody open that'll allow them to get a 30 or 40 yard gain, even though the athleticism on that side of the fall is very limited. So those are the kind of things I'm looking at in this one that, man, Iowa may have a tiny leg up on Wisconsin in this one. They may very well lose the game, but it, it just, to me, is not worth any part of putting five to seven points on either one of these teams yes agreed all right those are the value picks for this week hopefully alan and i are steering you in the right direction of course you can follow us on twitter alan is found at ad on the blackout i am found at tb on the blackout and one of the best things you can do for the show is rating and reviewing it on apple podcast alan it's been a blast it sounds like we're on the same page with a number of our picks this week we're very very close to it uh hopefully that plays in our favor hopefully the value is out there kind of like we've documented here on this podcast but we want you to tune in next week for our week 10 Pick'em Rewind and our Pick'em Pod coming at you next week to set up the latter stages of our contest. Alan, it's going to be a blast. Thank you for your time and go Braves in the World Series. Chop on, baby. Let's do this thing. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.